0: What does a typical week look like for you? Like, how do you start your week? Do you start maybe with hitting the snooze? I did this morning three times. (laughs) So you you kind of start and your bed is just so warm. Our bed is so warm. We have a heated mattress pad. Talk about, you know, first world problems type of thing. I mean, just, just all cozied up in there. And eventually, you, you let out that sigh, and you're like, okay, your eyes kind of struggle open, you kind of yawn, you stretch, you put the covers aside, you swing your legs out, your, your feet finally hit the ground, and you're ready to, to start your day, you're ready to start your week. And you get on the treadmill. Now, maybe you get on a literal treadmill, but this is, a, this is representing the treadmill of life, Okay? So we, we jump on the treadmill, and we kind of start that daily grind, you know. So we get going, and you go about your, your normal routine. You know, whatever's normal, shower, coffee, your breakfast. Maybe you read your Bible, journal, fit in a workout, maybe not. Maybe you get on a literal treadmill. You take your kids to school, make sure they get on the bus. You head to work whether that's at the office or factory or down the hall, you, you take a look and your task list is, is pretty full this week. You better be going a little faster. And before you know it, it's lunchtime already. You grab whatever's the fastest, you know. Maybe you even eat lunch while you're doing something else. You know, multitasking is in vogue and And you get back to the business at hand. There's a lot to do. And before you know it, the afternoon is come and gone. And you start asking, you know, the daily questions that you start asking. What happened to my to-do list today? What do you mean it's even longer? Wait, do we have plans tonight? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? I'll take her to practice. You pick them up from the lesson. I'll try to get some work done while we're there. And dinner flies by. Practice flies by. You do your best to talk to your kids or your friends or your spouse. And then the phone rings, and you're like, hello? Yeah, I can email that all over to you. Hang on, I got another call. Hello? Yeah, I'll pick up some toilet paper on the way home. I wouldn't want to be without it either. Why am I out of breath? I'm on the treadmill of life. Let's go. Love you too, honey. Yeah. And these. Talk in the back seat. okay, when we get to bed, we go straight to the shower and straight to bed. No stops, no stacks. We got stuff to do. And before you know it, you watch some Netflix because that's the only thing you have energy for. And you fall into bed and you doze off and you count the things that you didn't get done today and you promise to do better tomorrow and you stop. Whew. You let out a big breath and on Tuesday, your alarm goes off, and you hit snooze a couple of times, and you climb back on, and you keep going at the pace. How did, things, how did things get to this pace? How did we get to the place where we were running around, I mean, seemingly gaining no ground? I mean, weary and frustrated, it feels like we're falling further behind. We run from important thing to important thing, hoping that we can hold our ground. And sometimes we feel like we get ahead until somebody gets sick or the wind changes. And you and I, we have a problem. Now, I have a bigger problem than you do. It's this. (laughs) But we're sick. We're sick with hurry. And maybe you're like me. Desperate to stop this treadmill from going. <laughs> Can you relate? I mean, this hurry sickness comes, it comes in all different shapes, in all different sizes. You might be retired, or an office worker, or a factory worker, or a teenager, or married, or single, with or without kids, stay at home, work from home, world traveler, or never leave the county. It doesn't really matter. And the thing is, this hurry sickness is destructive. You see, busyness robs us of our joy. Did you know that recent studies found that commuters experience greater levels of stress than fighter pilots or riot police? That's crazy to me. All because of the grind. All because of busyness. We don't plan margin in our week, do we? And then we get mad that when something inevitably changes our plans, everything goes away. And at least in my life, the busyness not only robs my joy, but it robs the joy of my friends and my family and my kids because it turns out when we're sick with hurry, we're not very much fun to be around. And not only does it rob us of our joy, but hurry sickness changes our hopes, the desire of our heart, the deep wants, those deep needs that we have, they stop being focused on God. They become focused on the treadmill, on what we need to get done, on ourselves. And our prayer life turns into, God, help me, give for me, bless me, And the busyness in our lives gets tied to keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up even with our own expectations, because we can't even keep up with those. And we never spend the time to slow down or to focus on what God wants us to do. And this all leads to this painful truth, at least for me, about hurry sickness. It's that it's a symptom of something much bigger. It's not just about the treadmill. Why are we so desperate to be on the treadmill? One of the reasons is so that we don't have to deal with the real things in our lives. It's easier to focus on this or hoping to get that approval or to feel that success. And for me, I trick myself into thinking this busyness equals fruitfulness, that the busier I am, the better I am following Jesus, which just isn't true. And we wear busyness like a badge of honor, don't we? We talk about it all the time. How you doing? Keeping busy. I'm so busy taking my kids. Look at how great of a dad I am. I'm so busy at work. Look at how successful I am. I'm so busy with my hobbies. Look at how much fun I am. I'm so busy at church. Look at how much I love Jesus. But in reality, my busyness doesn't allow me to seek after God. And allow him to ask and answer those difficult questions. What's important in life? Why am I overwhelmed? Why do I feel what I feel? How do I need to learn? How do I need to change? What's going on in my soul that makes busyness the most important thing? That makes the treadmill the top priority? So what do we do? How in the world... Do we get off the treadmill? Well, we rest. Ooh, this is going to feel good. Ooh, you know, you know when you've been on your feet a lot and and that feeling of just like oof. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about rest. Now Matthew 11 is where we're going to start. It's okay. I won't be here the whole time. If I wake up, can you just, you know, if I fall asleep? yep, yeah, okay. Then Jesus said, this is Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. I love this phrase. And you will find rest for your souls that's the kind of rest we're talking about rest for our souls now the bible has a lot to say about rest we're going to spend our time with a story in the bible that i think we can relate to that i think we can understand it's in luke 10 starting in verse 38 if you have a bible you have a bible app feel free to turn there it'll also be on the screens here for us now, Jesus has been teaching and ministering and, and working, and he and his disciples, his followers, they're traveling to Jerusalem, and they stop to visit with some friends named Martha and Mary. This is Luke ten thirty eight. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here? while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. That's a true sister statement right there. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken from her. Who do you relate to in this story? Maybe you gravitate more toward Mary. I gravitate more toward Martha. I, I just, I, I can relate to her. I understand where she's coming from. I mean, I think, I think we can all kind of understand, maybe we all know people like Martha. Maybe we are people like Martha. Martha is a go-getter. She's a, treadmill goer. And it's not bad to be a hard worker. It's good to be a hard worker. We need people who are going to work hard, who are going to plan, who are going to prepare. And it's not because what she was doing is bad. That's not really what it says. But she is on the grind. She opens up her house. She's trying to serve Jesus. She welcomes him in. Mary, on the other hand, doesn't do any of the stuff that needs to get done that day. She didn't help with the dishes. She didn't preheat the oven. I bet Martha did all the grocery shopping. Thanksgiving triggers right now for some of you. And you're like, I did all the work. We can get this, right? And at first glance, you know, I think, you know, Martha's right. Is it fair that Mary just sits there? Well, Martha does all the work. And so she goes and she asks. But take a look at verse 40. But Martha was, here's the key word, distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Martha, on the treadmill. This isn't fair. Come on. Hey, Jesus, I would like my sister to stop spending time with you to come help me. That's what she says. And Jesus says, "You are worried and upset over all the details." I feel so seen by Martha right there, like me we're, solidarity sister, we are I I am I am her. That phrase describes my life. In a sentence, I am worried and upset over all of these details. Adam Johnson And then Jesus lays out the truth in only the way that Jesus can lay out the truth in a a way that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. This is what he says. This is verse 42. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So that means the one thing for us to be concerned about isn't the treadmill, at least not in the way we think about it. He's saying, get off the treadmill, come sit at my feet, come spend time with me. We grind, we work, we're sick with hurry, and we're so busy preparing dinner for Jesus that we forget to spend time with Jesus. Mary was with Jesus, she's resting. She's sitting right at his feet, listening to him, spending time with him. And what Martha was doing was good, but what Mary was doing was better. And not because she's lazy, but because out of all the things she could do, out of all the things she should do, she chose the number one priority. And that's resting at the feet of Jesus. Spending time with Jesus came first. So what can we do? What can we do to rest at the feet of Jesus when this world around us seem to just be this never-ending, never-stopping, go, 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 as fast as we can treadmill? Well, here's the first thing we can do. We can press pause. We can press pause. One way we can remind ourselves that Jesus is first is literally stopping our busy schedules. There's another term for this called Sabbath. This idea started when God created the world. He did that in six days. He worked. He toiled. He saw that it was good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. He pressed pause. Now, the word Sabbath kind of sounds like a churchy word to us. It really just means the day of rest. And the point here is not just to take a day off, even though that's good, And it's not just to take a vacation, even though that's good too. The point in pressing pause is to find that space in our lives, to find that time to rest your mind, your heart, your soul, and your body. Sabbath rest is stopping and remembering that the world, turns out, doesn't revolve around us or our schedules, that God is in control, that things move right along without us. Isn't that funny? And that he's number one. So what would it take for you to take a chunk of time? Just practically, what does that look like? How do you go about doing that? Here's one way. Prepare in advance. For those type A planners in the room, you'll enjoy this. Finding time doesn't just happen. We don't just fall into it. I need to build in the time to take a break. To focus on Jesus. So ask for the day off. Prepare for it. Rearrange your week. Identify the work that needs to be done and then identify in your heart the work that you think needs to be done but doesn't need to be done. I needed to hear that today. That's what we do, we we think that everything we do on the treadmill is the right thing to do. But if we prepare in advance, we can really think about it, pray about it, ask God to prioritize our life, and then all of a sudden, we're able to carve out a space to press pause and to prioritize him. So that's number one, prepare to rest. Number two, create guidelines. Think about it. To take a first step in pressing pause, Create some rules to help you. Have you ever gotten to something and you just don't know what to do with yourself? You've been looking forward to the vacation, you've been looking forward to the time off and then you go, I got nothing to do. I don't know what to do with the time. Or you sit down, you're ready to spend time with God and you have no idea where to start. So take out a piece of paper and write on it, I will press pause for blank. A day, an hour, 10 minutes, how are you gonna press pause? When are you gonna press pause? And then say, when I press pause, I will write a few things down. I will spend intentional time in the Bible. I'll spend intentional time praying. I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna marvel at God's creation. I'm going to spend time being present and playing with my kids. I'm going to turn off the phone, and I'm going to focus on what's in front of me and be present. And that gets me to the next thing you can do when you're creating guidelines. What are some things you won't do when you're resting? I won't check Facebook. I won't check my email. That's a literal thing that we do in our family, when we're trying to rest, I will turn off my email because as soon as I read it, that's what I'm thinking about, that's what I want to do, that's what I'm I'm focused on. Even if it's good things, even if it's things that I need to know. Go on a date with your spouse. Figure out some things that you will do. Figure out some things you won't do. You won't run errands. You won't do the laundry because that's toil, that's work. Create guidelines allows us to be more effective in pressing pause. And it also reminds us that many of the things that we think must be done don't. Here's another one find support. Just tell somebody. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your life group hey, I'm going to try to rest. And I need a little bit of help. Can you pray for me? Can you even help me prepare? Can you help me think through a few things? What does it look like for other people to support you in this? What does it look like for you to support somebody else, keep somebody else accountable? Uh, I thought you were, uh, you were on a, a day of rest and you've emailed me like 17 times in the last eight minutes. I mean, that's not true of me, of course not. Pressing pause, putting aside specific time, it's this amazing reminder that our work is not our top priority. It's not. The treadmill The work, the toil is important, but it's not necessarily our top priority. Here's the second thing we can do to prioritize Jesus. Quit something. That sounds good, doesn't it? You're going to leave here and say, Adam told me I just quit everything. (laughs) There are a lot of things I want to quit. But let me be clear, this doesn't mean only do things you want to do. This doesn't mean don't do any of the things you don't want to do. Sometimes the most important things in our life even are the things that we need to quit because they're the good things that push in on that highest priority. It's easy to quit the things we don't like. It's hard to quit the things that we like to do or make us feel good. But maybe there's something in your life that you could just stop doing completely to help you focus on Jesus, not to have more time doing other things, to help prioritize the number one thing. Is there something you could stop doing? There's a version of quit something. It's called fasting. Now, fasting intentionally removes something from our lives so that we could be reminded to sit at the feet of Jesus. Fasting doesn't have to be about food. That's where we first go. It can be quitting anything for a period of time so we can focus on Jesus for that period of time. So, for example, you say, "Hey, next week I'm not going to watch anything on TV." You know, so no Netflix, or Hulu, or Amazon Prime, or Disney Plus, <laughs> or Apple TV, or HBO Go, or Direct TV or Dish TV, or Comcast, or UVerse, or Plex, or Sling TV, or YouTube, or something called Crunchyroll, which I learned is a thing this <laughs> last week. Use the time gained. Focus. Use that desire, you know, when you go, I kinda want that right now. Use that to focus your thoughts on Jesus, to sit at his feet, to put him as number one. We start to learn how much we yearn for these other things that replace Jesus. Now I wear an Apple Watch. I love it. Helps me respond to messages. It's like a microcomputer on my wrist. It helps me be a little bit more present with Abby while she's at home and I'm at work. I can respond to things. I can look at the weather, all sorts of these different things, right? But it also distracts me a lot. I'm in the middle of a conversation and I'm like, hold on, the other person, more important. So here recently, I had a little bit of time off and took my watch off for a couple of weeks. And I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I looked at my naked wrist How many times I felt it buzz. There's nothing there. But somewhere in there, I started to be more focused on playing with Asher, my son. Or I started to be more focused on doing what I was doing. Or even in the middle of my quiet time with God, I wasn't being interrupted, distracted. All because I just put something that was good aside for a little bit. So fasting can be all sorts of different things, and they're not bad things that you have to quit. They can be good, healthy, helpful things, but quit something even for a period of time to help you focus on Jesus. Press pause, quit something. Here's the third thing. Be quiet. When's the last time you sat in complete silence? I mean, I have three kids at home. It's been that long. But I have to admit, even when the kids are in bed, TV's on or music or I'm looking at my phone or I'm reading a book or Abby and I are talking and and we're filling our time. And those can be all good things, but they're also distracting sometimes. And when we use them to distract us or to help us calm down after a hard day, quiet though, that soul being still quiet is a little bit more scarce, a little bit more uncomfortable. Silence can be incredibly uncomfortable. Like 10 seconds. And we're like, that feels weird, I'm out. (laughs) Like it is. It's it's an odd thing that we don't do a lot. Silence can be a huge helpful part of rest though because it can help us slow down, slow down our soul Help us listen to God, what God wants, rather than to tell God what we want. And a great way to practice silence is by practicing something called solitude, just finding a place to be alone with God and go there and sit and be quiet. Abby and I have this friend who's a stay-at-home mom, and for Mother's Day or for Christmas, she asks for this. She asks for silence and solitude. She asks for rest. So her family buys her a hotel room for a weekend. No kids, no spouses, no phones. Can you imagine? You're raising your hands a little bit. You're like, hey, can I sign up at the connections desk for that? Do we provide that? We're not providing that here, but I think It makes sense to us because there's this world that we're flying at high speed, and there are a lot of these loud messages about things we need or we need to do, and silence and solitude helps us stop, helps us break through that noise and prioritize and sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus even knew this was the case. He healed a guy, and Jesus tells the guy he healed, hey, keep it quiet, the guy doesn't because, you know, he was healed. He was pretty excited about it. This is Luke five fifteen through 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach... And to be healed of their diseases, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And we think that those are positive things. He was preaching, he was healing people of their sickness, but those are treadmill things because Jesus is saying, hey, I need to withdraw from that, and I need to rest, I need to spend time with God, I need to be silent, I need to be alone. And if this sounds weird to you, it sounds weird to me too, but spend five minutes just Five minutes every day this week to press pause, to quit something, and to be quiet. And all those ways we can prioritize Jesus. We can put him first rather than the treadmill first. So here's the big idea. Here's what I want you to remember and take home. If Jesus is our priority, our schedules should reflect it. If Jesus is number one, everything we do on the treadmill... Everything we do in the lazy boy to rest, everything in between needs to reflect who he is. So no matter what, we need to stop what we're doing and sit at the feet of Jesus. And rest doesn't equal laziness. And treadmill doesn't equal success. Rest doesn't mean we just sit there. The treadmill doesn't mean that everything we do is good or bad. But when we stop and we accept God's invitation to slow down, we acknowledge that we're not God and we can't keep up God's pace. And resting means we engage in all of these activities that are available for us to replenish. Napping, hiking, reading, eating with friends, playing sports, hobbies, spending time in the Bible, prayer. Those things that you say, I wish I had more time for those, they're replenishing, they're from God in your life. But we can't get there because we can't get off the treadmill. And resting places Jesus first. And the question I really just want to leave with you is, what does your schedule reflect? If we sat down and got out our calendars, what priorities does your calendar reveal? For me, I, I, work, a lot of, I work doing a lot of things for Jesus, but I struggle spending intentional time with Jesus at times. Maybe for you, you do okay with resting in the normal times. But when things get tough, you you just can't seem to let it go. You just can't seem to rest in Jesus. Maybe you're going to have so much hustle and bustle over this next December that you have no time thinking about what we're talking about today. Maybe you'd rather work than deal with the things going on in your heart or with those relationships It's easier to focus on that than focus on what God is doing to listen to what he has to say. Or maybe you fooled yourself and you say you're resting when you aren't sitting at his feet and you're just sitting on the sideline instead. No matter where you are on this continuum between treadmill and lazy boy, if Jesus is our number one priority, everything on our calendar Where we work, where we rest, and everything in between should reflect Him. And if it doesn't, I challenge you, just take a next step in one of these areas. Press pause, quit something, be quiet. Go to that Cultivate class this Wednesday. Sit at the feet of Jesus. If Jesus is our priority, our schedules should reflect it. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, in this season, this Christmas season, it is really hard for us to live this way, myself included. We we focus on a lot of good things, and I have to admit that I sometimes forget the best thing um, for a lot of the good things. And you say, Come to you, all who are weary or have heavy burdens, and I know that there are people here today who are weary and who have heavy burdens, whether that's time, whether that's relationship, whether that's sickness, whether that's hopelessness, despair, grief, whatever it is, and they are terrified of resting because of what might come up in the midst of that. And I am so thankful today that you say, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and you will give a soul rest that is beyond our wildest imagination. So help us today. Help us take that next step in pressing pause and actually spending some time sitting at your feet. Help us today to identify and actually quit something that came to mind. Help us be quiet in a world that is so loud. Help us pause and be quiet and sit alone with you for a few moments so that you can give us the rest that we need. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for the cross and how none of this matters without the cross and how that type of rest that we're talking about, soul and eternal rest with you happens because of that. We love you it's because of Jesus that we pray today. Amen.